0: Yo, what's up guys? Before we get on with today's episode, I just want to tell you all to you know, do one quick thing for me before we get on with the episode. I want to make sure everyone listening today is subscribed. Listen to all our recent episodes and do us all one quick favor. If you have a friend you think would be interested in our podcast, make sure you share a podcast with them. Tell a friend, word of mouth, do us a quick favor. Do that for us guys. We love you all. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. What's up, Ryan and Nate? This is John Void from Nolan Void Podcast. Uh, Just got done listening to your Corey Wren interview. Phenomenal job, guys. Phenomenal job. Absolutely, uh, you know, you guys killed it. Love listening to anything FSU. Uh, It was a pleasure to actually be able to listen to this particular interview because I've, you know, I've kind of, been wanting to know more about the recruits coming in, so you definitely nailed this this itch I've been trying to, you know, kind of get more information about uh, about the the young men coming into the program uh, to, to, you know, pursue their dreams of collegiate uh, glory, as it were. So, uh, again, I just wanted to say a real quick thank you. Uh, you guys also uh, hit me up a little bit on Twitter as far as the follow. I appreciate that. I wouldn't have been able to find you guys otherwise. Followed you right back. So you guys have a great day, and I look forward to more content. Thank you very much.
1: All right, guys, what's going on? Welcome back to another episode of Quarantine Football. I'm your co-host, Nate, uh, and I'm here with my wonderful co-host, Dorian. Dorian what's going on?
2: What's going on guys you know it's Dorian back for another episode and I'm excited for this one.
1: Yeah definitely I'm really excited because we've got our very special guest today Jason Babbin. How you doing Jason?
3: Hey appreciate you guys having me on today.
1: Yeah absolutely absolutely. Uh, so yeah we're just gonna kick this thing off uh, with a question that we like to kick it off with uh, for all of our guests honestly. Uh, so Jason, just, uh, how did you know that you, like when you were a kid, how did you know that you were, uh, going to get into football potentially as a career or just as a sport that you wanted to play for a long time?
3: Um, well, honestly, sports was kind of an avenue for me. I was a, I was a bit of a troublemaker, so it kept me, uh, <laughs> kept me from getting in too much trouble, but I still managed to find my way in there. And, um, honestly being a professional football player, I really didn't, uh, didn't register so I think maybe like my sophomore year of college when my coach called uh, me in his office and he was like listen you can do this if you want to do this and I was like oh shit this guy this guy's right yeah and uh you know it was one of those aha moments honestly
1: yeah
2: absolutely and you proved to have a really effective college career you know you were named to the Michigan University Athletics Hall of Fame uh how, how did that feel to be recognized like that
3: uh, it was definitely, it's definitely cool. Uh, especially cause I, um, you know, I had my older two boys, you know, they're old enough to see it and uh, be there and be a part of it. You know, they're like, Oh, dad, dad still does. Dad, dad played football, huh? I'm like, yeah, dad played football. <laughs> I don't I don't really remember all the years, you know, little kids, you know, in the locker room, I, there's these photos, you know, photos you find uh, pop-up occasionally on your phone, you know, they're two years old sitting there in a the locker room, you know, it's a bunch of uh, football players, um, you know, after the game, you know, they don't, I don't think they will really remember it, but, uh, it was, it was cool for them to be a part of it.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think to kind of like bounce off of that, you know, uh, like after your college career, what was it like getting a call on day one of the draft, you know, late in the first round? How was that?
3: Um, that was pretty unique. Um, I decided to have my party in uh, my hometown. You know, because, you know, this the community I grew up in was a small community, and they all, they all hand in hand in one way or another, uh, keeping me on the right path and uh, keeping me focused. Um, so I wanted to celebrate it with them. And uh, we had all the different hats lined up. The news was there, you know, friends and family. Um, and, you know, I, I knew it was going to be, you know, late first round, early second round. So it wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't like it was a total shock. But at the same time, it was, you know, it was kind of surreal. You know, like, hey, we're getting out of small town uh, Michigan and uh, we're going somewhere. I don't know where, but we're going somewhere.
2: Yeah, definitely. You, you were taken first uh, with the 27th overall pick and Houston actually traded up to get you like i think that that's definitely a huge accomplishment that they wanted you that bad
3: yeah it was uh, it was one of those things you know where anything else hindsight's 2020 20. um you know i didn't i didn't balk at the concept of playing linebacker even though i never played linebacker before um you know i was being a pass rusher they just uh, you know like oh we could make him into a linebacker um i i think if i would have had um uh myself now go back in time i would tell my younger self no tell everyone you're not gonna <laughs> play linebacker tell them you're just gonna be a pass rusher and it doesn't matter if you drafted the second round or third round but um you know it's those are life lessons that uh, you gotta sometimes learn the hard way
1: yeah i mean absolutely like what you said about playing linebacker versus just playing as a pass rusher you know you had some of your best seasons for sure uh when you're playing more of just a pure pass rusher role um so what can you say about like Like, how did you, how did you get through those first couple seasons, uh, whether it was like with the Texans or just in your early career before you really got to those breakout seasons in like, honestly, when you were like 30, 31 years old?
3: Well, i tell you what it was, there was some, uh, when I got drafted to the Texans, you in mind that's one, that was the David Carr era. So we were setting the wrong kind of records. (laughs) Yeah. And I think my first, my rookie season, which was I think the second or third season overall as this organization, we won one game. Like, I don't, I don't, and I've been a part of some, you know, teams that weren't, weren't so good. But for all of my years from any sports, I've never been in a situation where we won one game. Like, it was bad. You know, and then we won four games. Then we won five games. Or it was just like, it, it wasn't a fun experience. So compound on the fact that I, you know, couldn't really, you know, find my groove or figure that position out, you know. Because by the time I figured that position out, I think I was playing, line, or playing defensive end again. And, you know, just, it'd be, it's a little easier too, if you're on a team, like say I went into a Baltimore or, you know, team where it was just, they were a really good team, you know, when I got yeah. to, you know, got to learn my way in and, you know, I'm pick and choose situations and, you know, give, set, set my, you know, like coaches would say set them up for success. Listen, it was every man for itself. You know, I think I might've averaged like 89 snaps my rookie year, you know, including special teams. Like it was, <laughs> it was, it was, listen, every man for themselves. If you can make it, you make it. If you don't, you don't. It was a, uh, wasn't the greatest experience, that's for sure. But um, I'm not the kind of person that quits or gives up, you know what I mean? So yeah. I just kept fighting, kept showing up. And uh, honestly, that's, that's, what, that's really what it takes, you know. And, and nowadays, I coach, you know, obviously, I have a lot of uh, real estate agents, loan officers, and, you know, different leadership employees with my companies. And I'm like, listen, the basic thing, show up every day, work put, put it in and you're going to get the results, you know, don't, don't, don't overthink it. And, uh, there's, there's, there's no magic magic sauce. Just do the work. Yeah, absolutely.
1: You know, like you, you kept showing up throughout your entire career. Uh, that's something that you, I mean, you were, you were always available on the field, like for most of your career, you're always available on the field. And I think that's definitely one of the most admirable qualities about your career, you know? Uh, and like you were talking about how you found it pretty hard to just stick like on a team, like to really get, uh, get involved as, as a linebacker, or even when you had to transition back to defensive end. Um, so what would you say was like the most difficult part of just being a, like a journeyman being on seven teams in the NFL?
3: Uh, well, I'd, I'd say nothing to do with football related. Since I'm, I'm thick skinned. I can, I can deal with whatever, but uh, you know, moving your family, you know, from, from team to team, place to place. When the kids are little, it's easy. You know, they, they don't know any better. They don't really have, you know, Friends in school, but as they get older, you know, it makes those decisions a little more complicated, a little more difficult. Um, you know, so even some of the teams I was on, were, you know, I just I'd be gone for the season, you know, and come back the off season, you know, just to keep them stationary. So I would say for me, that was the most difficult part. And ultimately, I was like, listen, I think I've I think I've had enough because my kids are at the point now where I want to coach them in sports, be around them more, and I want I want to see them every day. And uh, you know, I, I just couldn't uh, you know couldn't deal with that uh, that separation anymore.
2: Yeah, I mean, you, you see that you see that a lot with journeyman guys, you know, or even a guy like Peyton Manning who had his home in in a certain place and then would just leave and come back in the off season because he he wanted to keep his family in a certain place. And I definitely admire that about you. You know, it's it's awesome that you know you you're, you're not selfish. Like you're you're thinking about other people, and you definitely thought about your future.
3: Yeah. And plus I had a lot of, um, you know, I had a lot of personal, you know, and business things that I wanted to do after football, you know, so having a place where I could do that and having, you know, kind of a a base set up was, was also important to me. So I'm a, I'm a planner, you know, I prepare for, Mm -hmm. for all kinds of different stuff. So having a plan is important.
1: Yeah, Yeah. And, and I think just like on the, on the topic of like you being a planner, uh you know there are some guys who uh there's some guys in the NFL who kind of like uh they have a lot of health issues especially over longer careers like the one that you had uh how were you able to uh how were you able to plan and stay healthy and stay effective throughout such a long career
3: um honestly I took I took my rehab and prehab and recovery really serious especially the second half of my career I mean I had you know my own Almost, I would call it a training facility set up in my house. I had a hyperbaric chamber. I slept in, you know, three or four nights a week. In the, you know, during the season, I had, you know, tubs, lasers, stem, you know, all kinds of different stuff, you know, for for my rehab and, and recovery, icing, and stretching. And, you know, I integrated yoga in two thousand and nine into my, you know, into my routine, and uh, just taking that seriously and taking care of your body um, is one of those things that, uh, you know, people overlook. And uh, it's, it's, it really makes an impact.
2: Yeah, I mean, you hear, you hear a lot of athletes now coming out and saying, okay, I need to do better with my training, better with rehab. And their, their careers are starting to last longer, and they're, they're actually getting injured a little bit less because they're taking that seriously.
3: Yeah, and honestly, I think um, with the virtual OTAs, like some of um, you know my friends now they are still playing, they, uh, they're like, listen, I've had just time for me to train, train the way I want to train, take care of my body. You know, cause every, everybody, everybody's different. The way your body responds, recovers what it needs, you know, to, to improve. And, uh, when you're in a, sometimes you're in those OTA team settings camps, you know, you're just, you gotta have to do a little more cookie cutter stuff and it's, it's not advantageous from an individual standpoint. It's, it's, it's helpful from a team standpoint and, you know, a group growth, but uh, having having a nicer offseason, a bigger offseason, I was, was something I was a big fan of because you know, one, I took I took it seriously, so it wasn't like I showed up not ready. Um, but it was just nice to be able to individualize it. And I know a lot of guys are they're, they're like, man, I'm feeling great this season. So once once everybody gets to go back, I know it's gonna, I think they're gonna watch the health and recovery for the guys who took it seriously. Um, really, those numbers are gonna look really good, I think.
1: Yeah. What what do you think, like, just in general, what do you think this hiatus from sports, what impact do you think it's going to have on football long term? Like, do you think there's going to be, like, any new policies, any new training that they're going to adopt long term because of, uh, like, what this lockdown has been like?
3: Well, you, you know, um, I'm a fan of the free market, right? And the free market really dictates what we're going to do. And the free market is, consists of, from a monetary standpoint, right? Because all the money comes from the cable company, right? Yes. And then that money comes from viewership, which comes from advertisement, right? So it's, a, it's, 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 it's circular. So you can't have one without the other. So when they do things in the NFL, uh, and if they're not free market-based, then they, there is a backlash from a financial standpoint, right? Which impacts their wallets, which then makes them rethink their policies and procedures. So I think it's going to be a really unique time to see how they respond from a PR standpoint, from a propaganda standpoint, you know, from a financial growth standpoint, because keep in mind, the NFL model is desi- designed to um, uh, double every 10 years. And so if they're not increasing their categories or subcategories, you know, of viewership, you know, because they know they have their their base, right? You know, guys, eight to you know, 15 to, to 66 are going to watch no matter what, you know, in a certain demographics, right? But they always try to improve other demographics is so why they have, you know the women's games or support you know the troops all the different avenues they try to do to to bring in more viewership so if if some of these things that they're talking about um doing uh this year uh it's gonna be interesting how they they parlay with with you know people's wanting to participate or watch you know what's going on from a political standpoint and in uh, a health standpoint you know that uh they're talking about integrating
1: yeah, definitely. I mean, like we were talking to uh like on the show a few days ago, we were talking to an agent, uh, Craig Doman. Uh he gave us a couple of a uh, couple of interesting tidbits just on how uh how he thinks the NFL is gonna operate in terms of contracts in the future. Uh what would you actually recommend to uh like to a player who's a free agent right now? Cause you went through a lot of free agent deals. Uh what would you recommend to a player who's a free agent right now? Like what kind of structure do you think that someone would want in this time of uncertainty?
3: Well there's a lot of there's a lot of factors in that. Their age, their longevity, how much trade they have on the tire, what they're trying to extract from the situation, you know, where they're at and as far as the hierarchy is, you know, their abilities. Um, but I honestly trying to get the most guaranteed money now is obviously the trend. So the more more trade you have in your tire and the um you know, the, the better player you are and the more sought after, you know, the more chances you know you're gonna get those contracts, you know, like those Kirk Cousins type contracts where, you know, there's a lot of guaranteed money there.
2: For sure. And I mean you you look you look at certain guys. Do you think that shorter term deals or long or longer term deals are honestly going to be the new wave? Because a lot a lot of these guys want the shorter term deals because more money comes along.
3: Yeah, you know, it, it's risk reward. I mean, I'll give you an example that we talked about in my radio show this past season um, in Gakwa here in uh, Jacksonville, right? Oh, absolutely. They yeah. put a, they they put a real nice deal on the table for him, and he wanted to go to free market. You know. And I don't think that worked out quite as he planned. You know, now I was looking at hindsight, should have taken that deal that as a sexy deal. Yeah. And, um, but here's, here's the thing. It's those, those are lessons. Like some lessons some lessons are free and some lessons you pay for. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, you know, every person's on a journey, you know, of growth and experience and trying to improve. So I, I, I know he's going to learn from that, you know, cause I always tell players, we deal with a lot of the players from, you know, a real estate standpoint, finding them properties around, you know, different, different states, you know, when they get drafted, um, to an investment standpoint. Um, and I always explain to them, so listen, your agent works for you. Your financial advisor works for you. In this situation I'm working for you. You are ultimately the driver's choice. You get to make the ultimate decision. No one's making the decision. You should be the one informing yourself and making these decisions. And, um, I think that uh, now, you know, as you get older too, you start thinking about things differently. So it's, it's just part of the process sometimes, you know, and maybe if it, all this whole thing didn't happen, the Jaguars won, we had no lockdown, we had no virus, we had no riots. Maybe he would have got that $60 million deal. I don't know. You know, it's, it's uh 2020, right?
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, the the thing with the Ngakwe with the Ngakwe deal is that once he didn't get that initial deal that he wanted, he got into a whole Twitter beef with one of the like with one of the Jaguars owners. I think that's uh you know, I think that's ridiculous. Was it, was it I Tony? think that, uh was I forget who it, right? it was to be. I think it, yeah. yeah, I think it was Tony Khan, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um but I would just have to say like like in your time when you were playing, I don't think that you saw as many of those guys like active on Twitter constantly, especially not about their contracts. Uh, like, how do you feel about that just, uh, going forward? Like, would you recommend that players like stay off of the, like Twitter while they're playing or while they're, uh, like trying to work out a deal, stuff like that?
3: Well, I, I think it's, um, understanding the big picture, right. Staying on Twitter. Right. But doing it in a way that, you know, and and I think I even said this during this whole situation, I said, do it in a way that frames them as the bad guy, you know, take the high road, be positive. Let them look like the assholes, you know? But they're baiting you into looking like the asshole. You know? Yeah. Don't don't take the bait. You know what I mean? They're businessmen. This is a business. Yeah. Learn how to play the game, right? If, if if you don't know you're in the game, sometimes you make bad moves because you don't know what game's going on. And uh, sometimes it kinda irritates me and I'm not saying his agent, you know, but I'm just saying there's times where you, you kinda wonder, like, who's advising these guys? Hey man, this is this is how I think we should play this you know, this is, this is maybe an avenue we should explore. Let's, let's try doing it this way. You know? And I think a lot of times people that are around some of these guys um, are yes men, you know, and say, Hey, you know, and I'm friends with plenty of guys that still play and they, you know, call and bounce things off me and I'll tell them, Hey, that's a stupid idea. Don't do that. <laughs> you know, like I have no problem saying that, you know, that's, that's dumb. That's absolutely not. And I think a lot of times people, you know, have, have these yes guys around because you know, they want to be around them. Like, yeah so it uh it, it kind of gives them that that false pretense and then and then it's like oh shit i shouldn't have done that
1: yeah definitely that makes that makes a lot of sense to me you know uh, i do think that a lot of these people in sports you kind of look and you're like like how, like who who allowed them to make that decision they they've got people around them they've got family they've got friends that have been in the business for longer than they have they've got agents like how how did this happen uh so I definitely agree with you on that, but uh to kind of just
3: to pivot back well, to not, not not to interrupt you, but the advice that I always give the, give anyone, whether an athlete or someone wants to be in business, is listen, find someone better than you right That's what I yeah. did when I played football. I found someone to emulate that was better than me that I wanted to be like. I did that football, I did it in business, right? Yeah. If you want to be something you're not, you figure out who's there, emulate what they do you know and, and it's isn't a secret and and honestly if you ask them, hey I want to learn from you. Right. And this is, I did this in some different business that I wanted to get involved in. I found the person I thought that was, I wanted to be like, and guess what? They told me everything <laughs> They showed yeah. me that was done, you know, cause they wanted they wanted to be, you know, braggadocious if, if, to a certain, to a certain extent. And all I did is listen, keep my mouth shut. And uh, it worked out.
1: Yeah. Who were, who were some of those guys that really mentored you in the NFL? Like who were the, some of those guys that you looked up to whether in your <laughs> early years or even
3: later in your career? Well, the, the kind of the, the you know, the unfortunate situation, whether it's, you know, lucky or not lucky, but you know, when you get to the Texans, there was just a hodgepodge of guys there that were kinda of at the end of their career. I didn't yeah. have anyone out there. I was like, Yes, I wanna be like that guy. And it wasn't until <laughs> I was in Seattle and I was with Patrick Kearney and I was like, Holy shit. I can do what Patrick can do, you know, I'm I'm gonna watch the tape when he, how does he watch tape? What does he eat? How does he sleep? What does he work at like and I always worked hard and, you know, really trained but when I realized, like, this guy's an all-pro, this is what he does, I'm like, well, let's give that a shot, you know? And I did that for two years. And guess what? As soon as I got to the next team and got a chance to play, I went to the Pro Bowl. So I'm like there's, like, there's no secret sauce. Do the work, you know, outwork everybody, and
2: uh, stack it up every day. Yeah. And, I mean, you, you, sp- you speak about the Pro Bowl right there. You had two of your best seasons back-to-back. You had, I believe, 12 sacks in 20, 2010 and then 18 sacks in in 2011 and you know the 2011 season really hurt me because I'm a Cowboys fan so I know <laughs> had some fun against Tony Romo that day against
3: yeah the Cowboys. Twice. Oh. twice that was three times that year
2: oh man that 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 really hurt me but I mean what what did it feel like ha- having both those seasons back to oh, back
3: I was having a fun time and honestly it was it was one of the only few times I've been on a winning team You know, and and I was always jealous of like uh, Dwight Freeney and, uh, you know, being on Peyton's team where they're just whooping ass 24-7 and the other team's got to throw the ball because they're behind, you know, and I'm like, man, this this guy just got 45 pass rushes this game, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then I'm I'm like, man, we had to stop the run for three quarters because we were getting our ass beat, you know. (laughs) So, uh, you know, having those extra opportunities, I was always a little jealous of that, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, what was actually, I like, what was the toughest offense that you ever had to play against? Was there ever an offense where you were just like, like absolutely, you felt like you were out of out of your league, kind of when you were playing against them, or like an offensive lineman that you just couldn't get past?
3: Uh, well, I'd say I was teammates with him too, well, Walter Jones. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> by far, the best offensive lineman ever played in, hands down. And you would beat him, whether it was you know games, preseason, whatever. And you're like, oh shit, is it a screen? <laughs> must be a screen you know yeah he was just, he was just so i mean he was just such a good offensive uh, alignment and he was the nicest guy ever you know yeah it was uh it was by far the, the man that's for sure
1: yeah i think we actually heard uh we actually heard earlier on in our show uh we were talking to Lofa Tutupu, and uh i believe he was talking a little bit about uh walter jones like not not just about like playing against him but just like him as a guy uh i mean i've heard really great things about him and that's cool to that's cool to hear that like you that you felt like when, whenever you beat him, that it might have just been a screen because that's how just, that's how <laughs> I was, I was, I was running was. joke.
3: Yeah, he was yeah standard player. I mean, he's a yeah. I'm hall of famer. You, you knew it at the time.
1: Yeah, definitely.
3: I, I mean, what was your uh
1: like was on on the on the other side of things? Like, what was your favorite team to play against? Like, was there ever a team where you just felt like whenever you went against them, you're gonna have a big game? Oh, the Cowboys for
3: sure. Oh
2: man, <laughs> I kind of say I kind of say that for that one,
1: yeah.
3: <laughs> but I mean, I just got to—I should send Colombo a thank you gift every so often just for
2: everything he did for me. Yeah, absolutely. I—I mean, we—we've got—we've gotten better, you know. Still, we're working on that Super Bowl. Uh, I know we say that every year, but you know.
3: Yeah, just keep keep working on it. That's all I can say. <laughs> keep working on it. And honestly, I—I never—I never even got—I got. I got Almost close to Super Bowl in twelve years, so I mean that was part of my motivation of playing the last two years. I mean I was kind of you know ready to move on, but I'm like man, I want to I want a ring, you know, when I go to these functions or go to these events, like I want a Super Bowl ring, but uh, just uh, just didn't happen.
1: Yeah, you were talking about like just like not getting the Super Bowl ring and stuff. Like, what was your like? Even though you didn't really play in any of the like like the biggest on the biggest stage in the Super Bowl, what was your favorite game or the biggest game that you ever played in?
3: Um, I think it was a, a playoff game. I think I played on uh, a playoff game with the Eagles. And uh, I was maybe year, year eight, year nine, something like that. And I just remember being, man, this game is so much fun. Like, it's so much energy. I mean, every play, everyone's going all out. And I'm like, I couldn't imagine what it'd be like, you know, playing like the Patriots or play, you know, with the Colts where we got to go to have the playoffs every season. You know, it was just, it was electric. And I'm like, I was just, I was so, like I said, I was so jealous of those guys that, thinking about it like, man, they're always going to the playoffs their whole career. So it's, uh, those playoff games are... You, you can't even explain them. It just feels to be in them.
2: Yeah, sure. did, yeah go ahead, Jordan. No, I was going to say, even from a fan perspective, you know, we, we watch playoff games or maybe go to a sports bar or we're we're together in a room, you know, like the, en- the energy in the room is just insane because every, everyone obviously wants their team to win.
3: Yeah, and and it's like, you know, and I hate to say this, but there's uh, there may be some guys that aren't going as hard, you know, doing regular games, a different plays or backside blocks or special teams. But when you're in those playoff games and it's it's just it's it's fucking winner, go home. I mean, everyone's going hundred miles an hour, everything they got, throwing their body, making blocks. And it's just you just feel it, you know. It's just oh, it's electric.
1: Yeah, take take us into the locker room, just like before before one of those big uh, like playoff games. Like, what is it like in there? Like, are there people? Are people nervous? Are people trying to fire each other up? Stuff like that.
3: Um, No, everybody's kind of got their own routine, and everyone's kind of respectful. Um, But I I would say there was times when we were, you know, on, on different teams where we all we're all kind of same page, you know, where we had music going, we're all getting hyped together. Um, you know, there's, there's usually some quiet time, right, right before everyone's got their ear headphones in they're thinking about the plays or taping up or stretching out. But once, once it gets close to that moment, you know, right after the, right after the locker prayer, you know, the shower prayer, it just, it, it just gets, it just cuts cut loose. <laughs> it gets wild in there. You know, everyone's, everyone's, uh, it's almost like everyone pulls the mask off. Right. Yeah. You know, in that moment you can, you can say and, and do things that you really can't do in a civilized situation. Right. <laughs> Yeah, and you just you just get to be fully fully frontal lobe, you know, and uh, it's it's freeing, that's for sure. You can't do yeah. that normal life.
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean, you've certainly had a lot of like very iconic plays. You know, uh, what would you say is just like your favorite football memory from on the field?
3: Um, and this is not only because he's my boy, but uh, Eli Manning. We were playing them up in uh, up in New York. Yeah. And uh, I had a, a set. They, they were driving in on the thirty yard line for the winning touchdown, and I had a I had a sack fumble. And he's like, "You see, there's a picture in the the back of the the Daily Post. Is like he's on his knees. I'm the ball's coming out of his hands. I'm tomahawking <laughs> it." <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I feel like I feel like it's still salty about that one.
1: Yeah, that's that's got to feel good for sure to be on you know to be in the newspaper with something like that there. That that's got to feel awesome.
2: Hey, I'm I'm cool with you sacking Eli Manning. I'm okay with it. <laughs>
1: Yep. Yeah, definitely. Uh,
2: you you talk we talked a little bit about social media and like the impact it has, but you, you started up in a time when social media was kinda, you know, just just coming out and you ended your career when social media kinda started to reach its height. Do you think that it's helping the game today? Because like we said earlier, we're getting an inside look into the locker room. You know, that there are different things like we hear players mic'd up, they're all over social media. Like do do you think it's definitely like helping the game and helping out fans to get that real life experience?
3: Um, I think there's some good and bad stuff. You know, and I, I uh I, I told my son this when he was uh when he was younger and he went to he went to meet one of his favorite players at, at IMG Academy, you know, during summer camp. And uh after he met him he was like, That guy's a douchebag, Dad. And I'm <laughs> like, Well I, I wasn't gonna tell you that, you know, I said, But there's an old the you old know, saying like sometimes you just don't want to meet your heroes, you know, and the, the, the negative part of, of social media is you realize some of these guys are, you know, not what you thought they were. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And by the flip side is then you find out there's some other guys that you didn't, wouldn't have known about or understood, or, you know, they have a platform to do some good things. So it's, it's like anything else. There there's good and there's bad to it. Um, and no matter what, you know, there's same with when you had just newspapers and interviews, you had bad interviews, good interviews, but, um, it gives guys a voice. I think. I think some of the other things, though, is guys get in a lot of trouble. You know, <laughs> shouldn't yeah. have said that. But you know, once it's out there, it's out there. Um, and and I grew up where it was like, you know, I didn't have social media until maybe like 2011, and I was like, ah, I don't really, you know, really care about this. Um, and it was like, oh, if you, you know, they were like, you post something, do something, you know, picture this, it's there forever. But then it's like, and then I was always worried about my kids doing something stupid on social media. But then I realized. You know, we're talking about it one day. I'm like, listen, kids are kids that are younger. They grew up with social media, right? They all of them are gonna have dumb shit on the internet, <laughs> doing dumb shit, posting dumb shit, right? So everyone's gonna be on the same page for the most part, you know? So it's uh, it's definitely evolved and changed the perspective and the thoughts and the values and how it's used, how it's not used. So it's uh, and I think it's I think it will be ever changing. And um, in, in that sense, I think it's definitely changed. Uh, you know how people connect and talk. And I mean, just see what's going on now. Like, but there are some negatives, like I said, you know, I think with what's going on now, you have a lot of people that are, have a lot of feelings on a lot of different sides, you know, from the the politics standpoint that are, are, you know, people that are, you know, in positions of, uh, you know, that people look up to and uh, it does make it a little upsetting, not upsetting, but just, you know, like convoluting in the sense of, you know, like, listen, I like that person because they play, they're awesome at sports. You know, like sometimes I don't want to know their political position or their social position or their you know what I mean mm-hmm. like I just I just I don't want to like them for them you know I don't, I don't want to not like them or like them either way in the sense of those those views so there's there's a little bit of uh, I think that that kind of detracts in, from the situation
1: yeah definitely and like just to uh you know there's something that we just like to like wrap everything up with uh with everyone that comes on our show you know uh what have you personally been doing uh, like what's your favorite activity you've been doing to pass time during this like quarantine period mm-hmm
3: um so one, one of the things i did is i uh, i bought a peloton uh oh, bike me too yeah there we go right and uh you know because i was actually in hawaii with the kids and the family on spring break when they they locked it down That was like week three in march they shut the gym down we we're out in hawaii and i got back there's no gym and um so my like, crap so we bought this peloton but i've been trying to find like some of my buddies that played you know in the nfl and find the races they run and then I'll, I'll, I'll beat their numbers and I'll take a picture and send it to them. You know? <laughs> yeah. It just, you know, the competitive nature never goes away.
1: Yeah, definitely. I've been doing, I've been doing a lot of Peloton stuff too. My family actually has got it like right before the quarantine. So it was amazing. It was like, right when we started, I had something to kind of outlet in sports. Cause I've been, I've been running track for all four years of high school. Uh, and like now that I've graduated and uh, you know, I didn't really have much to do in terms of like athletic outlets during this quarantine time. So uh, I decided to start going all out on the Peloton. I've been doing a lot of the, you know, the Power Zone training packs. Those have been really good for me. Uh, oh yeah. But yeah, 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 but it's been going really yep. well. So
2: that's yeah, cool, you, you know,
1: know.
2: You know, same same thing with me. I I didn't get a Peloton, but you know, just been trying to run every day. Uh, just bought a jump rope to get a little more cardio. <laughs> on them, you know.
3: There you go. Out of baby. Yeah. Where, yep. where are you guys at? Located at.
1: Uh, so we're yeah, central central Jersey. Okay. All right, yeah,
3: I'm. Uh, I'm. St- I still got uh, some some uh, business stuff in uh, like Swedesboro, New Jersey, South Jersey, right across oh, the bridge okay. yeah, there. Yeah. So, yep. uh, I'm. I'm up there from time to time, so I know the, my, one of my my uh, business partners up there. He's he's dying to get the gym back open. That's
1: for Yeah, sure. absolutely, absolutely. But yeah, anyway. Uh, so, Jason, you got anything uh, just to say to the audience? Like last things to wrap it up.
3: No, man. I I would say this. Like, if you want something, put a plan together. Work at it every day. And don't listen to the haters.
1: Absolutely. Wise words from Jason Babin right there. Uh, and, Doreen, you got any last
2: things Just wrap it up? Uh, I just want to say thank you, Jason, for coming on with us. You know, it was an honor and a pleasure to have you on. And, yeah, I, I look forward to continue seeing what you're doing in retirement. And that's it.
1: Yeah, yeah of all right, course. Man. Thanks, guys. Yep, thank all you. Right.